Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you want to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you, check out our website at www.churchvictoria.com, or you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash vctchurch. This is our Thursday, our, <laughs> our Wednesday evening. I got it right the first time. Yeah. Our Wednesday Day evening evening conversation yeah. through the Law and the Prophets, where we're studying through, uh, we're currently in the book of Genesis. Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're st- so this is a 19. Genesis chapter 19. This is a study through the Old Testament, and uh, I'm really thankful and glad you're here. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share it. That really helps us out. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to be subscribed and get the bell on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, I think that covers it. Nope, it doesn't. No? What am nope. I missing? Y- y'all think that's impressive, guys? <laughs> this is the second time we've done this in three minutes. <laughs> The computer crashed a while ago that he did the first one. We had to scrub that one. And he had to do it. And he didn't get tongue-tied. No. I'm amazed. You're impressive. Well, I, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that, brother. You really are impressive. <laughs> Let's pray. We'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for, for bringing us here and for the opportunity we have to study together. I pray for our audience, Father. I pray that you'd help them to learn and to grow and help us, Cole and I, to, to teach this in a way uh, where it's simple enough for them to understand and and then have give them the courage, Father, to apply it to their lives. Thank you, Father. So much good stuff here. Uh, Father, thank you for, uh, for giving us this opportunity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let me ask you, brother, seeing as you he, he, you actually know the question. I already know the this, question because you, know, you asked me just a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> let me ask you. Hey, if it looks like we're having a good time, we do. We really have a good time. We, we talked about just recording stuff we talk about. <laughs> you know, just, you know. Uh, how important is it for a son or daughter, a child, to do what their father tells them? Well, because I've had time to think about it, right? It really depends on on what perspective you're coming from. Okay. For me, as a parent, it's extremely important for them to do, do what I tell them. Right. But when I was coming at it from a child, well, you know, I mean, some of it just didn't seem all that important. You know, you know, you have to understand. You have to put yourself in your children's position. You know, you're asking them to do something that they really don't understand why this is so important. Right. It must be important because they're really freaked out about it. But, you know, I just don't understand. Sometimes I think we forget as parents to, you know, we say, I'm not going to explain anything to you. You just do what I tell you to do. But sometimes they need to be need to explain it a little bit, you know. But it's, it's, it is important. You know, as, as children of God, you know, we it's really important that we do what we're told. You know, he has a reason why. Just like, as, you know, as a parent, you know, I mean, I don't have to raise, I'm not raising children anymore. I've already raised mine. But you as a parent, I mean, if you're telling a child to do this or do that, there is a reason why you're telling them that. You know, you see something that they don't see or they may see it and they can't process it because they don't have enough experience process to process what it is you're you know if you tell them don't ride your, your your bike in the street okay well but that's where the only place where there's asphalt you know i got a dirt driveway and a grass yard where am i going to ride my bike don't ride your bike in the street you know i'm sure you've had to tell your kids stay away from that street over there yeah because you kind of got a little curve and it's hard for people to see somebody gonna get you know, and and you as a paramedic have seen what happens when children get run over by a car on a bike. Not good. And so they're looking at it and saying, well, I don't have any place to ride. Right. They don't understand. Well, a lot of times when 
when we, uh, as children, when we're children, we don't understand why, you know, put your shoes on. I told you, put your shoes on. You still haven't put your shoes on. You're not going outside unless you put your shoes on. And you say, well, what am And you go outside without your shoes on, you step on a broken bottle at my grandmother's house and got punctures in my foot. <laughs> why did I put my shoes on? They tried to tell me. I just wasn't paying attention. No, I just chose not to do it. Just chose to be, you know, be disobedient. Right. And it and it hurt me. You know, I mean, it it's that kind of stuff happens, and uh, you know, and, and when when God tells us to do something, He's telling us for a reason. He's not telling us just because you know He wants a, a big laugh out of us because He's controlled us. That's not the way God works. He doesn't work that way. And we as parents are not supposed to work that way either. We're not working as that I'm the puppet master and I'm going to dangle you and make you dance every time I want you to. We're trying to we're trying to grow them up, and so we need them to do what we're, we're telling them. And uh, children, they are just children. What are they going to do? Yeah. They're going to be disobedient. Yeah, that's what children do until they learn why. And uh, you know, I I, I think uh, I think you know, and I may get pushback from this, but I think good parents, at least when they can, explain why this is important. Why is it important for you to do what I'm telling you? Instead of like I was, you do it because I told you. You do it because I told you so. You know, and instead of saying, look, maybe you haven't thought of this, but this is why I'm telling you to do this. This is why this is important. You know, tell them, get up. It's time to get up. You're trying to train them to get up and, and to train their bodies to, to think about, you know, a, a process of getting up and, and being responsible, going to school and getting things done. They don't get it. Do they? No. You got, uh, no. You got three of them. They don't get it. No. <laughs> no, they don't. No, not at all. But it doesn't mean it. But that doesn't mean we give up, because as parents, we are, uh, we uh, we just continue on. We just keep going, and because we've taken on this job, it is a really important job that we have, as raising children, and that's what we do. Right. You know, we 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 train them, and at some point, your your children will be as old as mine, and you'll look around and say they got it. They got it because I'm seeing them what they do now. And I'm saying, I remember having, trying to train them to be like this. And, and, and now here they are and they're doing it. I know it wasn't all me. It wasn't all my wife. It was a lot of it their own experience, but we started them on that journey. You have to start your children on a journey that you know, they're going to take for the rest of their lives. Right. You know, being responsible, having a job, you know, and going, going to work and having a job and, and, uh, uh, being a responsible, having common sense, teaching them how to have common sense, how to think before they before they act, think about what the consequences are, what the ramifications are to think. That's all of our job, you know. And and to watch it unfold, I'm sure God looks at it and says, and is proud of us sometimes when we finally get it, and we finally said, okay, and now he's going to go. Now you can go to the next thing and start working on the next thing in our lives. So, anyway, mm-hmm. that's my thought. Well, no, that's that's very good. So it's important. It's important to do what you're told to to listen to the voice of your parents, you mm-hmm. know, because they have something to say. And, and you know, and it's not perfect, you know. Obviously, no, you no. know, not all parents are perfect. You know, I think about the uh, Israelites who were pulled out of Egypt. You know, they all stood condemned before the Father. Mm-hmm. You know, because they didn't trust Him, they didn't have faith, and they all they all got wiped out. What what do you think of you know if you're their kids you know what how do they view their parents and how do they view all of that 
You know, it's just something that. Well, I think I think probably you know because they because when they disobeyed, that's what Hebrews tells us. They disobeyed. They didn't do what they were told. God told them to do something, and He told them for a reason. They didn't do it, and He got mad. He punished them. You know, and punishment for them was they are all going to die. Everyone over the age of twenty died, and and their children were young. Many of them were young children at that time. They didn't realize until they came back the second time, which was a 37 years later, they come back the second time, and now God gives it to those people, those children, and they're looking and saying, we're not making this mistake again. You know, and that, that's something they talked about, I'm sure. And I'm sure Moses talked about it to them, and, and they reminded them. You know, I think reminding your children when they're young, this is why Daddy told you to do this. So this didn't happen. Well, and that's that's his, that's exactly what it was. You know, it wasn't like God pulled them up out of Egypt and took them straight over over yonder no, no. and said, "All right, guys, let's go, let's no, go handle these no. giants." That's not what he said. No. You know, they wandered in the desert for, for two a bit. Years. They went to Sinai. Yeah. They went from Sinai. So they 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 moved around a little bit, and God had been providing for them the whole time. Absolutely, he'd been leading them by a pillar of smoke during the day, a pillar of fire at night. They were eating bread, manna from heaven. You know, he was taking care of every need they had and their constant response. Eating quail in the evening. Eating, well, you know, they were eating so much quail it was coming out of their nose. I understand that, but, you know, (laughs) quail at first is pretty good. At first, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I wouldn't want to eat it all the time, but, you know. But they had every opportunity, every reason to trust and have faith. And I think really that's the crux of it for children, right? Your children... We should be parents that instill that trust and faith in our children. Mm-hmm. They should look at us. Our children should look at us and know my dad's doing what is best for me. Yeah, My mom is doing what is best for me. Sadly, that is not always the case in some families. Well, I think it cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. I think you can have children that doesn't matter how much you're working to their good. They still are like the Israelites and look up and just don't trust you and don't have faith in you. Some kids, I think, just end up being bent that way. Mm-hmm. Not all kids, you know? Not not every kid. That's not what I'm saying. All I am saying is that we all do make choices. You know, and, and I'm, I, I'll give you that, but I think if, if we as parents do the very best we can, and when, when I'm talking about doing, I'm talking about not, there's so many, I mean, this is like an octopus, man. There's so oh, many tentacles to this thing. You know, and it and and I don't want us to get off off kilter here, but uh, if you have, if you love your children, and you do what the and you and you look at the the precepts of God, and you're gonna you're gonna base your your training on what God tells you to do, I think that your children, I think that that uh, there's ways to handle certain children that are. Uh, I see parents that I don't think are doing the right thing. I see parents that I don't think they're they're, but they live in a different culture than I do. They live in a different mindset. You know, millennials do not do not raise children the way I did. They mm-hmm. just don't, and they have a different different thinking, and and I'm looking at it and saying, this is going to be bad, this is not going to go well because now I don't know because the, the millennials have to get old enough yet to see if it's going to go bad. But from what I'm looking at, it looks like from the way we did it and the way we're doing it now, mm, could be a problem. And and I'm seeing more and more children that are obstinate, that are that are disrespectful, that are disobedient uh, to a fault, and and I that I did not see, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention before. 
I, that may have been. I may have just not been paying attention. So I think for you guys that are raising children now, I think it. I think it would. It really does you serves you well to listen to what older people are telling you. Sure. And say, what do we need to do different? Are you suggesting that we listen to people who've actually been there and done that? Yeah. That's bizarre. I can't yeah. imagine why yeah. you would tell me that. Sarcastic, man. <laughs> Sarcasm. Well, it doesn't come over well but, in person. It doesn't come over well on camera. Either. But even <laughs> even the Ten Commandments, right? Even the mm-hmm. laws that they, mm-hmm. they were given, it says, you know, honor your father and mother. And there were penalties for children who didn't do that. Absolutely. So all I'm pointing out is that it's it's not a it's not a clear cut case. You can be a godly parent and try to raise godly children, and that child just decides that's not going to be how they live their life mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably really rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'm just, uh, it's, it's an opinion. I mm-hmm. think I don't have any data to back mm-hmm. it up. I don't have, mm-hmm. we haven't done a study on this. Yeah. We're just talking about what can't, what could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. We absolutely should not raise our children in a void. Like we, like it's never been done before. Mm-hmm. We should listen to those who have done it before, who've been there, who've done that. We should certainly listen to the word of God about it. Absolutely. And when we do, when we prayerfully raise our children, when we raise our children on the precepts of, of what the father has said and what he has taught us, um, it is likely that they will stay in the faith, that they will continue. It, to it is likely. It is. And, and, uh, and you, and we have to trust God that God's going to help us, that God is going to lead us, in the right way, and and that's why we can't be can't turn off the idea that God has put somebody in our lives, an older person in our lives, right. to help help us to with that to navigate that that real small that that fine line that we have here. Because th- one of these days, you know what you're going to do? You're going to wake up. You know what's going to happen? They're going to be grown up, and it's too late. You know, and and they're you know I mean if you if you don't if you don't have them on some kind of track by the time they're five six years old, man, it's really difficult. Oh yeah, really difficult, and that doesn't—that's not because you're millennials. That any kids, you got to get them on the right track quick. Oh yes, for right. sure, sure do. Sure. So you know, and and having having worked in the children's home, we I've seen this even in the children's mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. You know, you it it doesn't really. All children need that track. They absolutely. need that. They, they need to know where do. those rails are. Absolutely do. And it takes faith. And we're going to look at that. We're actually going to see a lot of that in Genesis chapter nineteen. What I should say is, we're going to see a lot of people who didn't have faith. Yeah. In Genesis chapter nineteen, mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot of people make a lot of decisions. This, this this question didn't have a lot to do with the text. It's about having faith in God and 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 living by that faith, and and what happens to people that don't. Yeah, and what happens to them? You know, it does have something to do with a couple of daughters, but you know that'll that'll come in just a little while. Well, and I well we'll see how it all connects here as we go yeah, into it. So let's, let's get into the text. We're in Genesis yep. chapter nineteen. We're looking at verse one. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. So if you remember from chapter 18, mm-hmm. Abraham met with three visitors. Two of them left. He talked with God. He he kind of didn't wrestle with God, but he kind of went back and forth with God about whether or not we were going to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really where the narrative left off. Mm-hmm. All right. And so now these two angels arrive at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. I find that very interesting. Grab on to, remember in chapter 18, how chapter 18 began with Abraham. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up, saw three men standing by. So in narrative, because this is a narrative, what we need to look at is the the similarities between these two characters. Mm -hmm. The text is encouraging us to look at Abraham and to look at Lot and to kind of see them and kind of of compare. 
And at first, Lot seems a whole lot like Abraham. Look at what he does here. He's, he's at the gateway. He's on watch for people. He's looking for people like Abraham who's sitting at his, in his tent, and he sees these people coming towards him, right? So Abraham, or Lot now in Sodom, is looking for these people. Look at what it says in verse 2. My lords, he said, please turn aside your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. As people of God, we should take this example to heart. Okay. We need to be this type of people. The okay. people that look to serve other people. Why? Because that's what God's called us to do. Why does he do it? Because Abraham did it. Why does he do it here? Why does he do Just it here? Just a different spin. Sure, okay. sure. Go, go ahead. Does he not know what Sodom and Gomorrah is like? I'm sure he does. Well, I guarantee he does. Yeah. But he, does, he, he begs them not to go sleep in the center of the city. Yeah. He begs them because he knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And so he's trying to protect these two. For sure. From what they don't, they what he thinks they don't know. So he's trying to protect them. Please come to my home. You can come to my house. Because he knows he's a righteous man. He knows he's not, he's not caught up in all the nonsense. He hasn't gotten caught up in all the nonsense that's going on in those two cities. Right. And here's these two strangers come along. And he offers them hospitality. And he does, and it is, it is a culture of hospitality. It sure. really is. You know, Abraham does it. Lot does it. We should do it as well. We should be hospitable when people come here. You know, and and I think that we have been that way for, for a great long time. The coronavirus has, has, has changed the way we have to approach things sometimes now. Unfortunately. You know, we can't just, you know. We, well, but it gives us new opportunities, too. It does. Look, I know a Absolutely. lot of people. Look, there are a lot of people who don't like wearing masks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. you, brother, you know my stance on the whole yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Now, what is it to be hospitable? Even if you don't like wearing a mask, you wear the mask. Yeah. You know, even if you don't want to wear it, even if you don't think, whatever, no matter what your mindset may be mm -hmm. on it, you look at that and that is now a new way to be hospitable. Mm -hmm. You wear a mask. You mm -hmm. keep that six feet of distance, you know. All of these different ways. So now, I mean, yes, the COVID coronavirus has changed the way mm -hmm. we have to be hospitable, but there are still ways I think to be part, I think part of it is, is and and we're going to nitpick this text and we're we're going to be at this text for 3 weeks you know that <laughs> but you know i think you know a great example of a church being hospitable okay uh we had a couple that walked across the street to come to church they had never been here before they walked across the street and uh, and a couple of us said the next time they come we're going to make an effort and we're going to take them to lunch okay it's a little more difficult now to do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We took them to lunch. That I don't know if it was the first time they came or the second time they came. And they had decided that we need to start going to church. Oh, we'll start with that one right across the street. They live right across the street out here. They're still here. It's been two or three years. They're still here. We've studied with both of them, baptized both of them. They're faithful here, you know. Chris no, was yeah. at was at my my home study, my Bible study last night. You know, walked across. He walks across the street. It's very convenient because they don't have to go anywhere. They just walk across the street and come to church, and uh, uh, and and I think part of the, what got them so because we went to a we went to a place, took them to eat. Uh, my wife and I, Dan and Sandra went, and we took them, and and we talked to them. We 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 just we just got to know them. Right. And when we were walking out, the lady said, well, we were going to go to the churches. I think we're done. I don't think we'll go anywhere else. They didn't. They stayed here. I think the hospitality part of it was helped in, in 
getting them looking and saying, man, there's something different about this. I need to, I need to stay. And sadly, it is different now with the coronavirus. You get, you got to be more careful. Sure. You know, people are more aware of, you know, I, I don't, you know, stay away from me a little bit. You know, they, they, until they get to know you, they don't, they're not going to run and go to eat a meal with you maybe. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. You know, you're not going to be able, I mean, you're a new preacher here. You know, you you have people in your home. On Sunday. You know, you took a while for you to start doing that because I have to get to know these people. I don't want to bring somebody infected in my own home. <laughs> I mean, serious. I'm right. Right. It's right. And uh, so there's there's more we have to think about. Yeah. But it's still the sale. The premise is still there. We still have to be hospitable. Absolutely. And, and, and there, that the hospitality goes on all over out here. You know, I, we've got Dan Dan Marshall, who's an el, another elder. You know, one of his talent is he loves to fish, and he's got a boat, and he takes his boat out, and he takes people all the time, uh, going fishing. You know, it takes you know he he, he goes sometimes two times a week going fishing, taking people fishing, uh, and that's uh, that's using his his own resources, and he goes and and uh, that's what that's his talent. That's what he does, and he's uh, he's he's helped a lot of people get comfortable with being here. Just because they got on a boat with him and went fishing, and just caught fish, and just had spent the day there. So, you know, that's the that there's different ways of, of doing hospitality for sure. It's not just having them come in your house, right? I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's about how you how you look at people and say, "Hey, guys," and maybe that's what Lot's doing. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the city. Well, even if it even if it doesn't have anything to do with the city. And, and I think it does. I think it does have something to do with the city. I, I think Lot, I don't think Lot is just, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm going to spend my time sitting out here at the gate because I got nothing better to do. Oh, look, there are a couple of people. I better serve them. I think Lot is doing this intentionally, mm-hmm. just like Abraham was doing it yeah. intentionally. Yeah. And he sees strangers and he says, I better step in here and I better help these people. I don't know who they are. I don't know anything about them, but I'm going to do everything I can to serve them. And that means for, for me in this place, don't stay there. You yeah. need to come stay with me. Yeah. That's what it means. It's taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what our father does? And and I think that's what I think that's a, a great lesson for us too, because I think I think when you look at this from that perspective, you know, we live in a society that is Sodom and Gomorrah like. Oh yeah. And if someone walks into our building or walks into our life, I don't care if it's a checker at the at the Walmart, you know, being wanting to get them out of that environment spiritually and into an environment that's safe. And protected and and covered up by the hands of God, absolutely we want to do that, don't we? If if we don't, then what are we doing as what a church? What are we doing? Right. You know, this church is is we're striving to be God's heart and God's hands. You said that in the in- intro. You know, we're striving to be. We you know our, our vision statement is that we're going to be a, a God centered church, small group fellowship church, and we're going to and our whole goal is to help people to live out the life of Christ. Correct. That's what we're trying to do here. Yes. And if we're going to do that then we're going to do that with people that are in danger. Absolutely. And if these two guys, he felt they were in danger, he's going to try to protect them from the evil of his society that he lives in. Absolutely. Just like we do. And I think that's that's a key thing to grab onto. You know, we can't forget that Lot was aware that he was in a bad place and he looked out for the welfare of other people. I think you're right. It's it's vital. That's what Christians are supposed to do today. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, in Ephesians it says we were created to do good works. We were absolutely. created for these That's things. Absolutely. In the Sermon on the Mount, Christ encourages us to be like our Father. We bless mm-hmm. not only the people that, that love us and care about us, but the people who even wish to do us mm-hmm. harm mm-hmm. because we should be like God. Mm-hmm. And God sends the reins on and the he wicked sent us, and righteous. And he sent us an example in Jesus. That's right. And he says we're supposed to follow him. 
That's right. We're supposed to follow his example. Jesus said, I left you an example. Now do what I do. That's right. You know, and so that's what we're supposed to be doing. And Jesus, you know, and his disciples, I mean, you know, he went and ate at, at sinners' houses. You know, people flocked around him. People that were sick flocked around him. Uh, he was hospitable. Absolutely. He was very hospitable. He loved people. And we need to be too. We need to too. Yep. All right. So we, we've covered some of this then. You know, he, he insists very strongly they don't that they go with him and they don't they spend the night with him. Um so then before they had gone to bed, so they've they've retreated back to Lot's house. Mm -hmm. Lot's uh, ha has them with him. And in verse 4, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. So so there's a lot of stuff in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 and it's really interesting. So I've had a lot of people that I've studied with had a real problem with this. So it says what it says. Mm -hmm. And, and there's no getting around. No, there's no getting around. It. It this is what it says. This is what Lot offered. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will go with the what I consider certainly to be a cop out. Well, this is just the cultural. This is the culture of the day. They didn't value women as if to say, "Oh, that's okay." And it's not. That's not okay. No, that's not okay. Understand, church, that we were all made in the image of God, men and women. And women, absolutely. And women hold a very special place in the creation because they were created so that we as men can do what we need to do. Mm -hmm. We can't do what we need to do without women. It's that simple. Absolutely. The word in the Hebrew, it's, it's, I believe in, if we look in the NIV, it's create a helper suitable to you is what God says. That word helper is really not very good. That word in the Hebrew means essential to the task. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you're painting a room, this is the example I like to use. If you're painting a room, right? Mm -hmm. A helper is somebody that brings you water, mm -hmm. right? A helper is somebody cleans who your brushes. cleans your brushes. Mm -hmm. That's a helper. You could do that by yourself. What that word in the Hebrew means is she's the paint. Oh, okay. You can't paint the room without paint. Yeah. You can't do what God has asked you to do, which is to rule over his creation without her. That's simple. You can't do it. So she holds a very important place in the creation. She is she's very important. Not to mention, even if we just backed it up a little bit, chapter one twenty six, uh, chapter Genesis chapter one verse twenty six says very clearly, we were all created in the image of God, male and female. That's absolutely right. So even if God had not said she is this important, just the fact that she was made in His image is vital and important. Mm -hmm. So are these are these daughters of His deserving of this treatment? No. Cultural or not, no. No. And I think no. the key is this. Look here in Genesis 19, right here, where he says this in 7. Know my friends. What does it say about bad company? <laughs> Corrupt good morals. Now, look, Lot is a righteous man. We know mm -hmm. that. Elsewhere mm -hmm. in the text, it says yeah. Lot was a yep. righteous man. It was yep. tortured in his yep. soul by all of this. But the reality is we know that the righteous live by faith. Mm -hmm. It is not that they are perfect. They live by faith. I don't doubt that Lot had faith. But I think here we see some of the, some of the, so the culture that had seeped possibly even into his own thinking and his own mind. Where he, 
says, no, instead, take my virgin daughters. And he's going to go to the son-in-law. So they're not only are they virgin daughters, but they're promised to people. Yeah. And he's going to offer them up. And we're going to see some things that his daughters do after they escape this. And we're going to see some things his wife does as they flee this, well, something, this situation. Well, something we talked about before we ever started, we talked about, you know, this is not, this is not unlike Noah. Noah was the only righteous man. His wife, his wife and, and, his, and his sons and their wives were not righteous people. It was him. He was a, they're saved because of him. Right. Okay. You know, Abraham was, was a righteous man, called. He was a righteous man. And, and everybody around him is benefited because of him. Lot here is a righteous man. He's a, he's a good, he's gotten into some trouble here because he's picked the wrong path to go. He has. Just like us. When he had the choice to go right or left, he told left was the wrong way to go. Well, he, and he, you remember in the text what it says in that section of Genesis when they're coming up out of Egypt like that. It says, uh, or excuse, excuse me. Let's let's go back and look at it real quick. I don't want to. I don't want to mistake it. So it's Genesis. He gets called in twelve thirteen. Abram and Lot separate. Here we go. So look at this. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. So Lot looks. And sees, didn't that what Eve did? Mm-hmm. She lo- looked and saw that the fruit was good to the mm-hmm. eye, right? It was appealing. And so Lot looks and using his own judgment, his own wisdom, chooses God, to go pitch his this for an hour. To go pitch his tent towards how Sodom. Many times, this could have been a question you asked me today. You know, how many times have you looked upon you looked at something and, and found that meant that it really looks good and it was I've the asked. wrong choice? I've asked that one before. That's it was the wrong choice, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, every one of us has made a wrong choice at one time or another. Yep. Lot's made a bad choice. He's put his family in harm's way by the choice he made because he looked at it and said, man, that is really good. That's where I'm going. He takes the best. You know, when when Joshua and Caleb mm-hmm. come to the come into the into the promised land yep. and, and Caleb says, man, I'm 80 years old. He said, he said, I want the, I want the tough stuff. Give me the bad place. <laughs> You know, I'm still a tough man. Give me the bad play, and he and he goes after the he goes after the, the he's a giant killer. You know that's not what Lot Lot says. Man, I want that. I want that good. I want the place where the gold is. I don't want to go over there where there's rocks and thorns and thistles. I want to go over here. Mm. And so that's what he does. And he finds himself in the middle of this quagmire. Of, no, this middle of the cesspool. It's not a quagmire. It's a cesspool. cesspool. I think. Yeah. You know, it's it's a dump. And, and here he's trying to protect these two guys. And because his culture says, and we talked about this before, uh, you know, that culture is very, this is very much important to them in that culture. If those guys come this, under his this roof. Hospitality yeah, this hospitality. Yeah, this hospitality. They come under his roof, he can protect them with his life. It doesn't surprise me when you look at it from that perspective that he would offer his two daughters up because he has to protect them. That's the culture that he's in. You know, I mean, we talked about it earlier that, that, uh, uh, when you when you if when you look at the movie The Lone Survivor, you read the book, and Marcus Luttrell is blown off that mountain, and he's shot, and he's got a broken back, and he's got got numerous energy. I mean it, it, injuries, injuries yeah. and and he wakes up, he a, a, a Arab from a village, you know stops. I mean finds him, takes him into his home, and when the Taliban come, says you ain't getting him, you ain't getting him. You know, he is, he is protected, and he calls it some name. He's protected. And Marcus Luttrell says in his book, he says, the only reason I'm alive is because of that cultural, 
thing. And he'd become good friends with that guy. He brought him to the United States a few times, and 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 that guy protected him because of that idea that if you are in my home, my home is a is a sanctuary for you. So if that's what's going on here, if they have that mindset, I can see why he would say, "No, you're going to take my daughter, but you ain't getting these two guys. These guys are dependent on me." He doesn't understand who they are yet. No, he doesn't understand. He doesn't have to protect these two guys. No. You know, he should be protecting his daughters. But, you know, maybe his daughters are no good. <laughs> no. You know, well, there's still no reason to put them out there. But I think I think certainly he's got that. There there certainly is that push for him to defend these these guests, mm-hmm. to watch over them sure, and protect them. Sure, sure. I think him offering up his two virgin daughters is a manifestation of the culture that he's... And, and you know, and I, was, and I was being funny. I mean, that, that, no, I know. I you know, know. You know, it, you know his, his daughters are his daughters. You know, there is a reason why he does this. I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of why he really does this because we look at it from a father. I never had a daughter. Well, but I can't even imagine giving my daughter up. A couple of different perspectives here. Understand we're looking at something that happened 6,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, and I'm not copying out of this. I'm just simply saying this occurred 6,000 years ago at, at least. And, you know, what his mindset was, whether it was simply a cultural thing and whether for him, you know, hey, I just... Either way, it's still wrong. Uh-huh. But what was going on in his mind and how he made that decision, those are things that don't know. You know, we're gonna have to wait until till and, and we, we because it doesn't really explain it to us. We really don't know. You can you can look at all kinds of commentaries, get all kinds of supposition of what people for think. For sure, for what, sure. What they think. But you know, I mean it it is definitely a problem for some people in the text. How dare him? How can he do this? He's the evil yeah. despicable, but he's not. He is a godly man. That, that put himself in an ungodly situation, not to unlike a lot of people in our lives have done. You know, we, we've, we've made think, bad choices before. Right, and I think that's what you're seeing. I mean, I think we're seeing personally from, from my read of the text, I think what we're seeing with Lot is simply the manifestation of bad company. Yeah. He's lived in the And we're going to see it not only with him, we're going to see it with because his wife. Because it does rub off on you. It does. It does rub off and on you. look. I'm not saying that he's not righteous. The text itself says later on that he was a righteous man. Yeah. And I do believe that he was a righteous man. But the righteous man will live by faith. It's not perfection. It's not perfection for me. It's I not think that's important too, Cole. I really think I think it's important for our audience to know that no matter how righteous you can you you think you are, you're still not perfect. No. Because if we could be perfect, we don't need Jesus. That's right. And we need him desperately. For sure. We need him to save us in, in our unrighteousness, in our unbelief, because it's like that every day for us. You know, this guy puts himself in a bad situation, not too unlike many of us have done in our lives. We put ourselves in bad, made a bad choice, you know, made a bad business choice, made a bad purchase choice, made a bad whatever, made a bad choice. And now we find ourselves, you know, you know, looking around and saying, how in the world I get here? Well, I got here because I made some bad choices because I wasn't obedient. That's right. Because I didn't listen to what God said. And I didn't. I did or some I wrong. I didn't ask. Yeah, or I didn't ask. I just saw it looked didn't good. Bother, so I didn't after. bother to listen to him. I didn't bother to go to the text and listen to him. And I didn't bother to get on my knees and ask him. You know, and our, going back, looking at Genesis 13, you know, Abraham says, you choose right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. You know, it, it amazes me that Lot didn't stop and go, what do you think, Abraham? Which way should I go? What do you what do you think? What, give me some advice here. He didn't even do that. Well, that and that's what we talked about a while ago mm-hmm. when you're raising children. You know, the best advice I can give you is listen to people like me that raised our children. I've made my mistakes. Right. I've made a bunch of them. I've, I've made a lot of them. And I can, 
and I can watch you and watch your wife navigate through this, and I can see the mistakes that you're making or the mistakes you're not making when I watch you and I listen to you. And probably everyone that's raised children that's older looks at that. And I'm not talking about just y'all. No, I'm talking I about any young, any young yeah. family. You know, I watch my son, and I see the mistakes. You know, I've got I've got more of an access with Kevin because he lives right next door, and when he's got his kids, you know, he's he's listening to what we're telling him because we're we're part of the raising process with them. But with Paul, I mean, I, you know, I can see some of the things that 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 they may be doing that uh, that you know, uh, you know, and sometimes you see you the good, make, the bad, the yeah, ugly. absolutely, you see the whole, the whole absolutely. Yards. And 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 you know, we have a, a good enough relationship where we tell them, you know, that, that, I mean, most of the stuff is really good. Most stuff I see you guys doing is really good. But every once in a while. Sure. You know, we'll see something that, whoops, man, that's not going to go well if you don't get a handle on that. And, of course, I see most of y'all, most all, like Paul and Alyssa and you and, and your wife, y'all are smart enough, you pick up on it pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, you don't have to really have anybody to tell you. But, you know, I, I think if Lot had went to Abraham and said, said, what do you think I ought to do? I really don't want to make a bad decision here. And I really need to know, how, I really need your advice. Seems like it's hard for him to do that. Can be. I think it is hard for me. It would have been hard for me. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, you know, in Ephesians, you know, we're going to be there. We're going to be there pretty soon here in the sermon. You know, we're preaching through Ephesians. I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. You know, it says, husbands love your wives. Yeah, right? chapter five. Mm-hmm. But wives, what is it? what are they supposed to do to their husband? You remember? Respect. Respect, yeah. Yeah. Why? Because men, I've seen it over and over and over again at marriage workshops and stuff like this. They'll ask men, how many how many men, just to men, how many of you in here think that your wife loves you? And almost every hand goes up in the room. How many of you in here think your wife respects you? Hands go down. Mm-hmm. It is an essential need for men within marriage to know that their wives respect and mm-hmm. honor them. Yeah. And when we ask questions, especially in our society today, mm-hmm. Maybe not so much in this. I'm not sure. But in our society, asking questions, asking for help, looking for advice makes you look weak. Yeah. A lot of times. I think it's unfortunate. I, I disagree completely. Mm. I think it's stupid, but it's where our culture is. That's why I wouldn't ask. Mm. That's why I wouldn't ask. I'm asking anybody. You know, their business what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it on my own. And I made a lot of mistakes. And my, and my boys suffered because of it. Part of that pull your up by your own bootstraps type of attitude. Of course, attitude. Yeah. of course. Man, I'm machismo, man. I mean, you know, look at me, man. Look at man. I'm, look at what I can do, you know. And made a lot of mistakes, and uh, and my sadly, my boys suffered for it, through a lot of it. They they were smart enough and big enough and and godly enough that they came through it on the other side, and it didn't it didn't trash them. But I sure made some bad mistakes in their lives, man. I really did. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm too good for that. I'm too tough for that. Man, you know, I ain't going to nobody. I'm not going to do that. And I'm looking now and I'm saying, guys, man, talk to somebody that knows <laughs> so you don't make the same mistakes I made. Because I can help you not make those mistakes. You know, and if a lot had done that, maybe he wouldn't be in the position he's in. His wife and his daughter wouldn't be in the position they're fixing to be in. And uh, and maybe, and I know lots of, lots of folks, mo- probably most of the folks that are watching, you know, they've made a choice maybe lately that they look at it and say, God, I wish I had not had done that. If I'd have just asked somebody, if I'd have just asked God, if I'd have just listened to him, maybe I wouldn't have made this choice. Maybe I made a choice to change jobs, and maybe if I'd have gotten some sound advice from somebody, it wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done it because 
this, 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 and this could have happened. So what, and I don't know that because I've never done it before. So what? So if we're laying something out, if someone's listening tonight and they want to know how to make a godly decision, a good decision, what are the things that we need to do? I feel like we've talked about this before. I think I think we need to. I don't think you can talk about it enough. I don't think you can either. Because I think all of us are in the, in that process of making a bad decision at any given moment in our life. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I, believe, no, I agree. I mean, we're human beings. Absolutely. You know, and, and we're messed up. Lots of reminders. You know, yeah. you know we're broken. Absolutely. That, that we there's no doubt in my mind that we're broken. Mo, you know, every one of us. That's why we have to go to the one that can fix broken. That's right. Because you can't fix broken. I can't fix broken. Mm-hmm. I tell people that I study with that all the time. I'm sorry, I can't fix you. I can't. I can take you to the text. All I can do is take you to the one that can fix broken. And I think the I think the first thing you have to do if you're if you're trying to make a decision and you don't know what to do, I think you need to be talking to God about it. That's the first thing you need to do. Talk to God about it. And I think then you need to listen to what he has to say. I think you need to be open to the book. You know how many people today, how many less people today, I don't even know what the statistics are. So many people, less people today are reading their Bibles than ever were before. You know, they're, they're just not reading their Bibles anymore. They don't know text. They don't know where something is. They think they know. They think, well, I think it says this. You know, you hear people say stuff that's wrong all the time. I hear people, we talked about this before, you know, I hear preachers on the on the radio that quote text out of context that don't mean what they say. Right. You know, so, but I think if you, if you say, God, I'm going to need your help here. God says, if you want answers, if you, if you need wisdom, ask for it. He said, I'll give it to you. Yeah. He said, you look for it. Look for, look for the, the. The wisdom that you're looking for, look for it like you would buried treasure. And he said, I'll make sure you find it. Go to Proverbs 2. Read it. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 10 tells you. He said, if you look for if you look for wisdom and th- like silver and gold, he said, I'll make sure you find it. You'll find it. But if you want to, if you want to, if you want to lay out a plan of what do I need to do, I think that's the first two things. I need to talk to God and I need to listen to his response. Okay, that's the first two things. And then and then from a secular place, I think I need to say, seek out people that have been here before. Well, seek out godly counsel. Absolutely. God tells us that. Yeah. Tells that over and over to seek out godly counsel. So I think, I think uh, it says the righteous man meditates on the law day and night. I need to be meditating on what God has to say. And then, and I think we need to, I think the, one of the emotions that we need to come up with is I need to be patient. Oh, yeah. I need to not be hasty. If the job or whatever it is that's going to go, maybe I wasn't supposed to have it anyway. But if I have to do it today or yesterday, maybe it's something I need to step back from. I mean, I, my father-in-law, who's you know certainly a godly man, been a godly influence in my life, said that uh, you know I'm going to pray over every decision, and if I don't have time to do that, if they need an answer now, then the answer is no. Yeah. If I don't even have time to pray over it, if yeah. you don't have time to give me a few days to pray over it and talk to God about it, well, then the answer is just going to be no. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And he said that needs to be, you know, and, and I agree with him 100%. That just needs to be the rule. That needs you to know, be the standard. I mean, how, how uh, I mean, y'all y'all were making a decision when y'all came here. Mm-hmm. How how difficult a decision was it to make? I oh. mean, how, how, did, how, how much time did it take you to do that? Oh, it, uh, months. 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 I mean... We laid out a process. We laid out, we, we asked ourselves, what is our responsibility before God, right? What is it that we are supposed to do? We're supposed to honor and glorify him, right? That is, I, we are called to do that. 
I'm supposed to honor and glorify God in my life. I'm supposed to ensure that my wife honors and glorifies God in her life. And we're supposed to raise up children that honor and glorify God. That is our job. That's job number one. So what is conducive to doing that? And so we built... Um, we built a paradigm or, or a process of elimination by that standard. Okay. What is going to be conducive wherever we now, go? Now, this is something you can do with any decision you make. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to take a new job, you know, just, I'm going to quit Walmart. I'm going to go over here. Yeah. It's still the same principles. Well, but to get there, you have to know what the word says. Yes. You know, you ask me where, in fact, I'm preaching on four different questions, and that's why we're moving through the book of Ephesians. I'm preaching on who are we, why are we here, what's the wrong with this place, and what's the solution. Um, every Sunday, you get the answer to what's the solution mm -hmm. because I offer an invitation. So you're hearing the answer yeah, all the time. Absolutely. But why are we here? And if you're not in the book, if you're not studying the word, you won't know the answer to that question, but the answer is simple. To glorify God, it's really easy. Mm -hmm. The chief end of man is to enjoy God and to praise him. That's really it. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly it for Christian. That's it. That's the life that he wants you to lead. People, I watch people struggle and wrestle with this. Why? What do you want me to do, God? And I'm like, he just wants you to glorify him. That's absolutely true. With your entire being yeah. all the time. That's yeah. that's what he wants. That's yeah. If you're looking for something... That's it, right and, there. And the sermon that, that, that they will have already heard, if they watch it, that I'm going to preach this Sunday, this, when this comes out, it'll be last Sunday, I'm talking about that very thing. Yeah. What, God, what God says in a couple of texts, this happened that God might be glorified. It's the simplest Absolutely. answer. And when you have that answer, when you know why you're here, and you know what you're doing, you know what your mission is, which is to glorify God, Everything becomes easy. And we get so frustrated and freaked out when things don't go the way we think they ought to go. And it's because we haven't laid out. Lot finds himself in a bad place. Sure. This is bad, guys. The, he has made, he's decided to go left when he should have gone right. It's, let, let's just, let's just say, call it as it is. He is surrounded by a bunch of men, old and young, of all ages, from the whole city, that have yeah. come to his house. He's stuck inside and he's he's literally between them and a hard place and they're saying give us those guys we're gonna have sex with them that's where he's at yeah that's where he's at that's, that's i mean that it is one of the most dicey situations i've ever read about period it is disgusting it's horrible it it's is horrible. a cesspool <laughs> that's Sodom where he's and Gamora, at. the reason that they got destroyed is because it's a cesspool and and lot chose to be here with no counsel from Abraham, no counsel from God, he just said, I want that because it looks Twice. Yeah. Remember the first time he got carried off to prison? He got yeah. carried off as, yeah. a, as a captive. This is kind of a track record for him, isn't it? Fate knocking on the door, yeah. man. Stop it. You know, it, it, that's why it's so important for us to learn from a text like this and say, you know what? I've got to, I've got to step back for a moment when I make decisions and see, are they going to glorify God? Is my decision going to glorify God? You know, I think... I think that's what, what Chris and Ellie did when they walked across the street. Said we need. They didn't know why. We need to go start going to church. Our lives are falling apart. We need to go to church. Yeah. And so they came over here, and they realized that being here and being with these people, their lives could glorify God for the first time maybe in their whole lives. And so now, now they're faithful, and they come, and they're part of this. They're part of this body. You know, Chris and Ellie are my brother and sister. You know we're gonna we're gonna die and spend eternity in heaven together because because of the lifestyles we're living now, that's right. and that's amazing to me. 
you know, that just walking across the street, the decision to walk across the street, you know, was a, was a powerful decision for them to make. They didn't know at the time. They just knew that they needed something in their life. And God reached up and touched them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, poor Lot, you know, is going to have some really tough stuff that's going to come up in the next week when we talk about it. Mm -hmm. His wife, his daughters, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, his daughters are, you know, I mean, it, well, I'm not going to go any farther because, you know, we're already running out of time. But but I'm telling you, it's, it's, it gets bad. Guys, I'd suggest you go read ahead a little bit. Just go read see what happens. You know, the, the wonderment about the Old Testament is there's so much there's so much going on. There's so much fun stuff to read about. There's so much stuff. You know, what we're trying to do is help you to navigate some of the intricate things you may not think of. You know, we're looking at it and saying, man, he made a really bad decision here, didn't he? That really is not the, in the text here. It's just a result of what he's done back in chapter 13. You know, it's, it's learning how to connect the dots, too. Yeah. How do you connect this dot with that dot? So moving forward, everyone's in a, the process of making a decision. Mm -hmm. Seek out God. Seek, listen to God. Talk to God first. Talk to him. Listen you know, to him. Start, listen to him. Start getting into his word. Absolutely. This is how, how do you listen to him? There's Look. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that God doesn't talk to us today. He no, certainly does. No. He does it through his word. He does it through answers to prayer. He does it through other he people. He does it through other people, yeah. The reality is, until you're in his word, though, until you start seeing what he says and what he's said, because God doesn't change. He's consistent. Yes. So you're not going to—God's not going to tell you something that hasn't probably already been said. Yeah. So get into the text. Know how he thinks of things. Learn how he looks at things. And then ask godly counsel. Absolutely. Because you'll spend your life learning about how God looks at things and how he sees things. You'll spend the rest of your life learning all of that. But Find seek out godly counsel. There. Find the people that have already been there and done that. And then and then the last I think is be patient. Be patient. Be yeah. patient. You know, a decision that's that that's worth making is worth making right. And you can't make a right decision sometimes in five minutes. You need sometimes some time to make the right decision. Because if it's if if you're looking for that decision to glorify God with, then you've got to you got to back off a little bit and make sure. sure you're not getting in the way. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's four things you can look at: listen to God, talk to Him, listen to Him, seek out godly counsel, and be patient while you do it. Trust. Give it a five. Trust, trust Him. Trust Him. That because look, being patient is hard if you don't trust. That yeah. it's going to happen. That's going to come through. Absolutely. So know and trust and have faith that God is going to come through. Absolutely. Lot didn't. Yeah. We can go all the way back to Genesis And if you 13. need help with it, give us a call. That's right. We'd love to talk to you. If you have a decision you're trying to make and you're afraid you're going to make the wrong decision, give us a call. You can get a hold of Cole. Mm -hmm. If Cole's not available, he can get a hold of me. We'll, we'll get back in touch with you. I promise we will. We want to help you to get to that place where, where God where you can make right decisions so that you and your family can glorify God. That's, right. That's what we're looking for. Let's pray. Yes, sir. Father in heaven, thank you for this text. Thank you for what we learned from Lot. Lot made a bad decision. He went the wrong direction. And it's reaching up now, and it's really touching him in a very negative way. He's got some decisions to make, and it's going to be tough for him. And I pray, Father, that, that you help us to learn from Lot. Help us to learn when we make decisions that we need to make them the right way. We need to make them with the right reasoning. And the reasoning and the, and the goal is is to glorify you when we, when we make those choices. Help us to do that, Father. And thank you for the opportunities that we're going to have to grow and to learn and for this text that we're growing and learning from. It's in Jesus' name we pray.